Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Mammoth Lakes, California, with my good friend Paul Lanyi. Paul lives in LA and has been visiting Mammoth once a month for the last 10 years. Although Mammoth is home to a popular ski resort, there's year-round recreation for visitors to enjoy. In this episode, Paul and I talk about skiing on the 4th of July, relaxing in hot springs, and exploring the nearby ghost town. Here are these three fun stories, plus a bunch more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash mammoth. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and to select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Paul. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So today we're talking about one of my favorite places to go snowboarding when I lived in California. We're talking about Mammoth Mountain and Mammoth Lakes up in uh, kind of like the mid-area of California. So what's your connection to Mammoth? I've lived in Los Angeles now for about 17 years, and I'm a big snowboarder skier. And it's really the most logical place to go to slide down the hill on snow if you want you know, really good snow in a, in a large mountain. It's about 310 miles north of us from Los Angeles, where I am. And it is a wonderful place to be in the winter. We discovered probably about 10 years ago how fantastic it is in the summer, but shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the thing is that there's these wonderful places with these ski mountain resorts that are packed for three or four or five, six months of the year. But the rest of the year, I think a lot of people just kind of ignore them. And uh, I think in some, some cases that's great for you because now you have the mountain to yourself. Well, it's interesting you say that because Mammoth does get very busy in the winter. But in fact, if you look at the statistics on number of visitors, it's actually busier in the summer. And that's because there are dozens of lakes if you are park your car and are willing to walk two miles, three miles, even five, you're going to find pristine, beautiful lakes. And it seems like every other person is carrying a fishing rod. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of campgrounds, each containing sometimes 50, sometimes 100 campsites. And so it is a hugely popular place in the summer for camping and hiking and fishing and boating and biking as well as there are a number of festivals that are held in what's called the village, which is sort of the main part of the mountain area. So there's a barbecue festival, there's a blues festival, there's a jazz festival, there's a wine festival, there's a practically a tie-dye-your-own-t-shirt festival. Festivals all summer long. And so, interestingly, Mammoth is busier in the summer than in the winter. That is so interesting. I, I, I always, I guess I missed out when I was living in California. I didn't ever go there during the summertime. And so... Well, why would you? Because it's it's five and a half hours, right? It's five hours. Why would you drive five hours north when you could go two hours and be out in the desert or, or play? And I understand why a lot of people don't go, but it's apparently fishing Mecca. Well, that and, uh, I think part of it is that, at least from my perspective, that Mammoth has such a long ski season where it starts like probably mid-November, like right around Thanksgiving time. And easily every year it goes to 4th of July or longer. I remember a couple of years ago, it actually went all the way through the beginning of August. It's not uncommon to go skiing on Memorial Day in the morning and then play golf or go biking in the afternoon. 
And I have skied as late as July 4th. Now, mind you, it's often the thin white strip of death that you're navigating with <laughs> 150,000 of your, your best friends. But it's really unusual. There's snow there often up in the, the crevices in the mountains through August. So whether we're coming there for skiing and snowboarding or hitting the lakes and, and some hiking, what's the best way to get there? Obviously, if you live in like Southern California, it's easy to drive, but sometimes you don't want to deal with that drive. Uh, I know there's an airport there. Is that a good way to go? Absolutely. So for many years, Alaska Airlines flew directly from LAX into the Mammoth Yosemite Airport. That's actually been taken over by United. It's about an hour and five-minute flight, super easy, directly from LAX. There were flights from San Diego. It changes yearly. There were occasional flights from Denver. There's also private, or I should say commercial, not one of the big services, but JetSuite, I think, flew from Burbank or one of the northern LA airports direct into the Mammoth uh, LAX, uh, sorry, Mammoth Yo- Yosemite Airport. It's small. There's there's literally one gate. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've flown up there on, on JetSuite X, and that's the way to go. Uh, one, you're flying out of Burbank, which we know is is an awesome little small airport versus having to deal with LAX. It's like a semi-private plane, which is a, which is also really cool. And it's about the same price as as if you're flying on United. I think it all depends upon where you're coming from. So for me, I'm I can see LAX out my window. So I'm 0.6 miles from the Southern Runway. I'm going to go from LAX. The interesting part of it, though, is that there are very heavy crosswinds. So you should have no expectation that just because your flight's going to take off that you're going to get there. Many years ago, probably five, six years ago, I flew up with my then toddler son, and we grazed the runway and turned around and came home. And I've also had flights cancel for weather many times. So you always have to have a plan B if you're going to Mammoth. Now, I'll also say if you're coming from L.A., you can drive, which is call it five hours on a Thursday afternoon, maybe six hours on a Friday night when you're battling everybody to get up there. If you're flying an hour and five minutes or so, people from the East Coast or from other areas can fly into Reno, rent a car and then drive south. So it's about three hours on a beautiful drive. So there are multiple ways to get in and out, but it's essentially drive or fly. That's it. Okay. And so if we are flying, like I've done, and I'm sure you've done as well, from my experience, once you get off the airport, like you look around and it's like desolate. You don't know if you're actually in town or not. Once you got the plane, what's the best way to get from the airport to the village or to like wherever your hotel is in Mammoth? So depending upon where you're staying in Mammoth, you can have somebody private, you know, like a friend pick you up. There are shuttle services that are shared, and I don't recall how much it is, but it's fairly reasonable, like 20 bucks a person to get you into town. If you're staying at one of the Mammoth-owned properties, they have their own private bus that will take you back and forth. There's really not a reason to rent a car or, or need a car once you get up there, unless you're going outside of like the village area, right? Absolutely. So once you're in town, there's a fantastic bus loop system that can get you from anywhere to anywhere. And of course, if you're skiing or snowboarding, you can leave your gear in a locker at the hill, which makes life a lot easier. But yeah, to get anywhere in town, in the town itself, you can walk fairly easily. Or you could take a bus from the town up to the village, which is about three minutes by bus. One thing, though, is you can rent cars at the airport, and there is a place to rent in town as well. And then use that car to perhaps go 45 minutes, drive north to Yosemite, which is a magical place. There's also another ski area, June Mountain, owned by the same company, which is about 30 minutes north. Much smaller, very family-oriented, kids ski-free under the age of 12, which is fantastic. 
So if you want to go outside the area, renting a car is pretty easy. But if you're just going up to ski and be in town or stay at the resort, don't need a car. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's another national park or state park that's nearby, like Devil's Post Pile. Is that? Yeah. So Devil's Post Pile is actually on the backside of Mammoth. And I don't think it's a national park. It's a state park. And it is gorgeous. Imagine diamond crystals that are 30 feet high embedded in a granite wall. It's really gorgeous. The hiking around Mammoth is spectacular. Like I said earlier, if you're willing to park your car and walk in a mile or two, it is gorgeous. And of course, there's the John Muir Trail, which runs from Mount Whitney, essentially up north for quite a ways, or you can do an amazing array of trails. Whatever type of backcountry stuff you're into, it's just a playground. In Bishop, which is about 35 miles south, they have world-class rock climbing. And you see people down there all summer just carrying their big sacks into the backcountry with their ropes and their belay devices. And it's it's amazing. Whatever you want to do backcountry, you can do it. Uh, that sounds pretty amazing. Uh, I always see those guys and gals climbing the rocks and everything. And I'm just impressed by that finger strength and everything else that they have. I just know I'm nowhere near that, but it's it's amazing to watch. Yeah, as, a, as an ex very small scale rock climber, it's pretty intimidating, but it's really amazing to do and, and so many options. I'll also add that from the very top of Mammoth, you can actually look down into Yosemite Valley and see the splendor that everyone talks about. It is truly amazing. And we've gone to Yosemite multiple times in the summer with our son and the options are just unlimited. And in the winter, in addition to skiing and snowboarding, there's backcountry skiing, there's cross-country skiing, Tamarack Lodge, which is owned by the same corporation as Mammoth, has a whole trail system where for somewhere between 10 and $20 a day, you can go out and skinny skate in magnificent trails in the backcountry. And there's ice skating and all that crazy fun stuff. It's, it really is a, a, just a wonderful playground. That's super cool. So let's take a step back. Obviously, now we've flown in or dr- driven in to the town. Where should we stay? Are there any major hotel chains that are there? Or is it more like a small mom and pops? Like, how does that work? There are a bunch of, of hotels. Certainly the largest is the Weston Monashi Resort, part of the Weston chain, very close to the mountain, easy to get in and out of, lovely place. I've, we've dined there a number of times. And then there are Best Westerns, there's an Alpenhof, a Motel 6, etc. So really, whatever your budget is in terms of hotel, great options. I'm a fan of Airbnb, VRBO, staying in rental places, and there are hundreds of them in town from, for every budget. I call it the spaghetti factor. You want to get a plate of spaghetti at a hotel, it's going to cost you $16. You can probably cook that in your room for a buck sixty. So it really depends on what you need and what you want. Oh, sure. Absolutely. But I think, like you said, if you're going up there to go skiing or snowboarding, if you stay at one of the the Mammoth actual resort properties, then a lot of times you're going to find like discounts as far as one, getting that, that free ride from the airport on their, on their shuttle. But on top of that, you're going to have packages that are going to, going to include lift tickets and everything else, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've been a season pass holder for a long time. And many people I know just frankly buy their lift passes at Costco because it's uh, cheaper. But yeah, you get all sorts of deals depending upon where you stay. I mean, my wife and I used to stay at this little bed and breakfast called the Cinnamon Bear Lodge, where you got a quaint little breakfast and an afternoon snack when you came back. Whatever your budget holds or whatever your interests are, you're going to find a place that fits. Right on. Okay. Well, let's talk about some other things to do beyond, like say, if we're talking about in the winter, that beyond skiing, because I know some people 
aren't necessarily big skiers or snowboarders. Like my wife, when we go, a lot of times maybe she'll go for like one day, but the rest of the time she wants to go out and like do some other things. What else is there to do in, in town? Well, I'm going to start with just one thing outside of town. There are a number of hot springs that if you're willing to drive 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes and then walk about five minutes, they are spectacular. One of my favorites is called Hilltop. And I've been there at seven o'clock in the morning and had heard of deer around me. And that's pretty cool just to be out in nature like that. More in town, there's certainly shopping. There's a wonderful bookstore. There are restaurants galore. And for those who want to do something that's athletic, but not necessarily skiing, there's something called a Woolies Tube Park. And essentially, it's a place where you can go sledding, pulled up the hill, but you're, you're pulled up the hill on a, by a little chairlift, but you're in an inner tube. And it's just a, a hoot and a holler because, you know, you get in it and then you can just ride straight down or you can spin like crazy. So it's uh, a bit of adrenaline for people of all ages. And I've been there and seen three-year-olds and 85-year-olds. That's super cool. Yeah, Timmy and I, when we, my son, when we went there a few years ago, we we hit Woolies up and we just had an absolute blast. We were there all afternoon and you know, giggling like little kids. <laughs> Even me, I was like giggling like a little kid uh, as we we're going down the mountain and just spinning around. And it was it was so cool to watch, you know, my kid experience like that for the first time and, and seeing the the pure joy on his face. Yeah, it's it's super fun, and I, I've done it a number of times with my family. I'll also add, it's on the bus route, so you stay down in town. Take the bus up, 15 minutes, drops you off right there, finish your day, go stand on the corner, bus picks you up within 15 minutes, and boom, you're, you're back down in town. Perfect. Okay. What, uh, what are some of the other like suggestions that you have, uh, things to do when you're not up on the hill or out on the lake? Well, as I mentioned, uh, there's Tamarack Lodge, which is up in the Lakes Basin. Two beautiful lakes right there. You can see some gorgeous waterfalls. There's some easy hiking that you can do there in the winter, even when it's snowy. Or you just go in the lodge and have a hot chocolate with or without Baileys and uh, <laughs> enjoy the atmosphere. Uh, there are also a couple of museums in town, small ones. So yeah, I'd say realistically in the winter, it's skiing, snowboarding, eating, dining, wandering around town. There's a fantastic bakery in town called Schatz Bakery where you can get a delicious turkey, fresh carved sandwich and a bowl of soup and buy baked goods to stuff your face on the way home. That's really a fun place to go for you know, a couple hours. And there are so many coffee shops up there that you can go indulge yourself. And if you're of the nature, there are also some cannabis shops that you can pick up whatever floats your boat in town. Well, the, yeah, and speaking of food and, and things like that, yeah, if you've been on a, out on the lake all day or up on the slopes, you're going to have like a, a monster appetite after that. So what are some of your favorite places to eat in Mammoth? So the beauty of Mammoth is that you want to go from a simple sandwich all the way up to haute cuisine. You can do it. The best restaurant in town or the finest restaurant in town is interestingly above the bowling alley. It's called the Brasserie. And they have a Viennese chef and the food is extraordinary. And that's white tablecloth, beautiful, expensive wine, etc. But you can also go down a couple of steps and there's the Mogul, which is a fantastic steak and seafood restaurant. They cook it. So they come to you, order, and then your server cooks it five steps away, 20 steps away, and you can watch the whole thing proceed. Love going there. Super great. Owners have been in town forever. We mentioned those two places. Obviously, they are a little more upscale. I know when I go, when I go on a ski trip, I'm generally just bringing like normal clothes. Is it okay to just 
show up in normal clothes or do you need to have a shirt and tie, that type of thing, a little bit like a fancier dress when you show up to the brasserie or, or the mogul? I have seen people in the brasserie wearing their ski clothes. I wouldn't suggest it. Maybe a nice pair of jeans and a sweater, but everything else in town, totally, totally casual. That's good to know because like, <laughs> I'm not bringing a press shirt with me in my snowboard bag. You might be laughed at if you wore a press shirt. <laughs> so you were starting to say about some other different places to eat while we are there. There are a couple of Japanese restaurants in town, a new place opened recently called Noodley, which has great ramen. El Charo has really good, low-cost Mexican food. There's a, a secret place that I know you're not going to tell anybody about, and none of your listeners are going to tell anybody about, called the Mexican Market. And in the back of the market, there's a taco stand where you can get tacos for like a buck fifty each, and they are delicious. So whatever your budget, you can find a place. In the village itself, there are probably five or six restaurants, ranging from Gomez, which is a little pricey Mexican food. There's the Side Door Cafe, which is wine, huge wine selection, fondue, cheese, etc. And then I think there's the local equivalent of Blimpy there as well. Right on. That sounds good. What if we're looking at getting something like you know, to fill our belly because we're going to be up on the mountain or out on the lake all day? We need to have like a good hearty breakfast. Where would we go for that? So there are two places in town that are billed as breakfast places. There's the Breakfast Club, which is great. A little bit like a, a, a diner. My favorite place is the stove. It's across the street from our condo. You go there, you're welcomed, and the food is delicious. Everything from potatoes and pancakes and omelets, build your own massive omelets, to, um, you know, you can have a steak for breakfast, whatever you want, oatmeal, yogurt, parfait, etc. I love the stove, and we go there pretty much every time we go to Mammoth. That sounds really good. Okay. Uh, when we're up on the slopes, obviously, you probably just grab something when we're there uh, on the slopes. I know a lot of times, most of the mountains I've been to, they have different restaurants kind of scattered throughout the mountain. Is there any restaurant that you'd recommend when we're, uh, when we're up on the slopes? So there are essentially four base areas for Mammoth, and each one of them has a different level of cafeteria, for lack of a better phrase. Um, our favorite is McCoy, which is the mid-mountain area. They have standard stuff like hamburgers, pizza, but they also have Asian food, a phenomenal salad bar. That's actually my go-to. And they've got pizza like crazy. So lots of choices. The larger the lodge, the better the selection. When you mentioned the name McCoy, that's actually Dave McCoy, the founder, right, of, of Mammoth Mountain. I think that's it's probably obviously named after him. Yeah, so Dave McCoy, rest in peace, just died last year. I think he was 103, something of that nature. He worked, as I believe, for the Department of Power and Service, something like that, for the city of Los Angeles, and scoured the hills up in the eastern Sierras back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and founded Mammoth. And he was a mainstay there. I think he skied well into his 80s. So yes, it was named after Dave McCoy. That's impressive. One of my old neighbors back in California, shout out to Luke and, uh, and Summer, his mom, uh, he was absolutely in love with, with Mammoth and uh, Dave McCoy. Every time he had a school project, he would be like his focus would be Dave McCoy. So it was super cool. So Lee, something I know about you is that you love your pizza. Yes. So let's talk pizza for a second. Okay. So there are multiple pizza places in town. Giovanni's is a great standby. You walk in, there's a full bar. They can seat you and your family, and you can have any kind of pizza you want, plus, of course, spaghetti, veal parm, salad, etc. 
It's good. It's relatively inexpensive. And it's actually probably 30 yards from the Vons, which is the largest grocery store in the Eastern Sierra. So Giovanni's is great. My favorite in town is a little place called Nick and Willie's, where you can order your pizza and go pick it up. You can order your pizza fully cooked, or what we like to do is half-baked or even not baked. So we'll order a pizza, bring it home on our way home from skiing, and then at six, pop it in the oven for 15 minutes, and boom, really delicious and always made fresh to order. That's awesome. You get like the, the best of both worlds. You can get it, take it hot and ready or make it ready whenever you're ready. Exactly. Right on. That's cool. Well, Paul, again, appreciate you coming onto the show and sharing so many awesome tips for Mammoth. Even though I've been a mammoth several times uh, throughout the years, I know I learned a lot. I'm sure the listeners did as well. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Mammoth, where should they go and what should they eat? I would definitely send them to the stove for breakfast and the mogul for dinner. Sorry, I have to give you two. No, that's good. What would you recommend at each? At the stove, I particularly like the hash and eggs. Just delicious. Not very healthy for you. So maybe an omelet for those who like something a little healthier. At the mogul, my son loves to get the filet. He and my wife will often share one, and they have a spectacular salad bar. I like getting the trout. It's really quite good. I wish that it was local, but it's not, but it's fantastic. That sounds really cool. So obviously you've been going up to Mammoth for for more than a decade, especially I think you go there about once a month. What's one of your most memorable stories of being up there? I am a not very good mountain biker, but I like to go out and I did something which you know you're not supposed to do I went out mountain biking by myself and I went down this trail and was coming down and it was really beautiful and I found myself in front of a bear Ooh. and it wasn't a particularly large bear which led me to believe oh boy there's probably mama bear somewhere nearby so I turned around and biked up that trail very very quickly almost as quickly <laughs> as I'd biked down yeah nothing to motivate you like a like the fear of a bear exactly especially when you don't have bear spray with you. <laughs> so obviously very happy that you didn't, didn't encounter mama. And <laughs> speaking of happy times and, and good memories, where's the happiest happy hour in town? Well, there are a couple. One of the ones that I particularly like is Mammoth Tavern, which is close to the stove, which I've mentioned a couple of times. Wonderful place, upstairs, great views, and they've got really good pours, in addition to which they've got really good food. So it's just a, a really nice place to go. Some people are a fan of the Clock Tower Cellar. I think that if you are under the age of 30, you'll have a really good time there late at night. Yeah, that's good. I'm sure some of our listeners are younger than both of us, not worried about having kids. They want to go out for a little bit of fun in the evening. And so that's that's a good suggestion. Yeah, I'd also add there are a number of brew pubs in town. And so I would suggest to people, if you like great beer, there are some awesome options in town. And also up in June, they have a brewery called June Lake Brewing, which I hear is quite good as well. Nice. It's always good to go to the actual brewery to get like that fresh beer and right off the tap. I mean, that's definitely very satisfying. So uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier when you mentioned pizza and everything. One thing I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. You mentioned Giovanni's and you mentioned Nick and Willie's. I think you, uh, you said you had the preference of, of Nick's, Nick and Willie's. Absolutely, Nick and Willie's. If you want to do to go, if you want to do sit down, because there's no sit down at Nick and Willie's, Giovanni's is the place. All right, cool. I'll probably just have to try out both and we'll see how it goes. I'm happy to go with you and do a, a comparison. You and I know each other from the Finance Buzz Facebook group. We've been friends online for a long time. And I know just from watching your adventures, you travel all over the world. What's one of your best travel tips? For Mammoth, my number one travel tip is rent a bike. 
you can get anywhere in town on a bike if you're willing to huff and puff a little bit. And if you're willing to go off-road, even five minutes, you're going to see spectacular countryside. And you can also use that bike to get to the brew pub. There we go. Nice. Paul, again, I really appreciate you coming on to the show and sharing your tips for Mammoth. I know I learned a lot. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do? And if they have more questions about Mammoth, what's the best way to reach you on social media? Absolutely. So I'm a marketing professional. I'm a dad. And I love to travel. And it's been wonderful opening the world to my son and my wife as well. She's a, been a longtime world traveler. And just seeing how people live in other places. We went to Tanzania this past summer, and it was pretty mind-blowing when my son realized that the kids he met had literally one set of clothes. So eye-opening. The best way to reach me on social media is just Facebook. Look me up, Paul, L-A-N-Y-I. And I'm more than happy to answer any questions about Mammoth or traveling in Southern California. Well, fantastic. We really appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Lee, I can't wait to buy you some beer and pizza in Mammoth next summer. What an awesome conversation with Paul. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash mammoth. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate sponsor of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs, so that way you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code Lee to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Albuquerque, New Mexico to speak with my new friend Ashley Biggers, the author of 100 Things to Do in Albuquerque Before You Die. Ashley and I talk about the International Hot Air Balloon Fiesta, Historic Pueblos, and the Sandia Peak Tramway. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you'd like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you won't miss any of our coming destinations.